0: The Mitchell's Front Page podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11.
1: Now on Mitchell's Front Page, the Monday Sports
2: panel In the studio, Peter Kelly, good morning. How are you?
3: Very well, thank you, Mitchell. And, uh, gee, I'm really looking forward to the public holiday on Friday. too.
2: <laughs> what are you going to do? There uh, we go, buddy, 5K mother. from home. 5K, mother back. I tell you what, mm. one thing you can do this time around that you couldn't do from my reading of it is you can actually have outdoor social interaction with a limited number of people. Mm. So you can go and have a picnic in West Park or something. Yeah, no, that's That's, that's true. something.
3: It's just a little bit disappointing. But anyway. It is. But uh, we push on, and
2: as I've said, throughout the morning, at least this time, Um, you can sort of rationalise the lockdown because there are cases on our doorstep, whereas in the past, of course, we've been locked down because of cases in other places around Victoria. Uh, Bucket is on the line. Good morning, Bucket. How are you? Very good indeed, Mitch. And how are you this morning? Yeah, not too bad for a Monday in lockdown number eight. And uh, Mark Heenan is back with us this morning. Good morning, Mark.
0: Hello, Mitch. Hello, Bucket. And hello, Mark. Peter. Hello, I Mark. To, How are you? I, I, yeah, good. I haven't spoken to Peter for a while. Hey, Peter, are you allowed to cut any bowls greens, Or are you allowed to
3: do any painting in the next uh, no. six or seven days? No, no, no. No, nothing happening again. We were, uh, we're actually, we're hoping to be to organise a little function on Friday. We were all going to get our our football gear out, go up and have a, uh, a practice, but uh, that's uh, obviously not going to happen now. So anyway,
2: so uh, we're yes. going to, I think, first of all, talk about the Brownlow situation, and then we're going to talk about um, both Adelaide and North Melbourne because Bucket has decided instead of doing it <laughs> by alphabetical order, we're going to do it in reverse slider <laughs> order, starting with the Wooden Spooners and probably finishing up with Melbourne uh, at some point. Uh, the minor premiers. So we'll touch on aspects of both teams and then we'll have a bit of a local focus and just talk about those seasons. know Mark has a few um, thoughts about that as well. So starting off with the Brownlow last night, did you watch it? Bucket, first of all.
1: Uh, I didn't watch it, though no, because I, I don't really take much interest because, yeah, we got all the experts watching that. But at the same time, there was a real quality uh, bunch of players who finished up with, a like, like with very, very high figures, didn't they?
2: Well, it was a welcome change, I think, from last year where, uh, of course, it seemed like Lockie Neal had it in the bag. At least this time around, there was a bit of suspense getting into those last couple of rounds.
1: Yes, and and basically, when you when you look at the results of the Geelong side, you know, like uh, basically what we've been saying through the year was endorsed by the way they finished, like it, like uh, 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 finished their season. Guthrie finished yeah, the number one player for Geelong was I see where Dangerfield, and then where we I criticise him quite a lot. to see. he's uh, he's fallen right down the list. Yeah, the end of about f- f- fifth, I think. Mark. Mark.
0: Yeah, it's just it's interesting because there were four players that got. 30 votes or more and and I think just to touch on Bucket's um, point of view if you look at the amount of Geelong players that got votes from 9 to 1, there was quite a few other than Cameron Guthrie that got 18 and yeah we will obviously talk about Adelaide as well but uh, they had two players in uh, Ben Keyes and Rory Ladd that got uh, 11 and 16 or Rory Ladd got 16 and Ben Keyes got 11 but yeah, just amazing in terms of the. Uh, I just feel like every year you see the brown low. You think, oh, geez, they're breaking new records in terms mm. of. You almost think there's another a round attached. Well, there is in a lot of ways. Round twenty three, but there's no, there's no actual. I, I suppose uh, odd buy in in that sense. And yeah, look, I'm impressed with um, obviously Sam Walsh with thirty votes, but yeah, and and Clayton Oliver. But you know, the talk of the town will Ollie Wines, and I suppose they'll be cheering up in a chuka.
1: Yes, yeah, um, so basically, when you look at the the, the way they finished this year, and you, and you look at the stats uh, sheets, you, know, you he uh, right through all all those like uh, they were heavily involved in, in the stats sheets, weren't
3: they?
0: Mm, oh, right. that's absol- absolutely absolutely. You go go ahead, Pete.
3: No, you're right. No, and you you you'd probably look at Marcus Bon and Pelly and say he's probably a bit unlucky. He polls thirty three votes and still gets beaten. So, um, so uh, but it was obviously. Uh, coming into about round 19 that uh, Bond and Pally needed to be further in front because it, it was highly unlikely he was going to poll yeah. uh, maybe yeah, one think, in, the, in the last four games. So.
0: I think with that too, particularly the late resurgence, particularly of someone like, you know, I know Bailey Smith's been impressive in the finals, but, mm. you know, you got Jack McRae there. I mean, a lot of people forget Bucket too, that Jack McRae actually, I think, broke a record this year for the most disposals. And I'm not yeah. saying that immediately puts someone into the stratosphere of being the Brownlow contender, but... That's another factor as well. And you look at Melbourne, you look at Petrarca, Gorn, you know, even a little bit Tom McDonald-Lever. Stephen May only got one vote. I was a bit surprised yeah. about that. Yeah, well,
3: Position.
0: Yeah, but those guys like Petrarca and Gorn and, and McDonald take votes off each other. Whereas if you look at someone like maybe at Darcy Parish or at Sam Walsh, mm. I, yeah. other than maybe Harry and Quay at, at Carlton, I don't see many guys taking votes off those guys.
1: They don't. I think the umpires get it pretty right, but at the same time, they can't fit them all in. You know, these defenders, these Melbourne defenders have been very, very good this year, and there's been two of them working together all season, but the umpires said, don't seem that because they just say, oh, well, we've turned the ball around, you know, and away yes. we go again. And,
0: Bu- and Bucket, just a quick one. Your mate Darcy Parrish, who I believe he's a Camperdown camper boy,
1: um, no, 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 no. It, it, Try
0: uh, Winchelsea mate, Win, oh Winchelsea. I always get those mixed up. Winchelsea and Camperdown. Yeah, Winchelsea. Apologies, correction. He Darcy Parrish actually got the three votes against Geelong in that game. In, in the, uh, the, you know, in the, in the game that they played at Geelong, and Essendon lost by forty-one points. So because of his forty odd possession yeah, game, he yeah, got the three votes. And Dangerfield had a standout game that game.
1: Yeah, I think the uh, real real uh, good candidate in the round, like in future years, is going to be Walsh because uh, he he attracted the, the attention of the journalists and he's also attracted the attention of the umpires. Absolutely, and he's an Ocean Grove boy too. Ocean Grove, is he? Well... Doesn't he come, doesn't he come from down there? used to be down to Cobden?
0: Cobden, yeah, they've got a good team, haven't they? But one of your mates from Geelong didn't have a great final series and Gary Rowan, but, but interestingly, the... He spent his later years and he actually played cricket down at Colonina. I've met Sam a few times and his dad used to coach Ocean Grove as well. So he was coach around there 2015, 2016. But what, what, what I was going to say is that, um, look at, look at that depth there and, and the young players coming through and noticing that they're getting a lot of votes. So, um, I think, I think, you know, even Zach Merritt and, Uh, Look, you know, Tuke Miller got 17 votes for the Gold Coast, even though he was ineligible. I think there's a lot to like about some of those guys that are in their early 20s, Mm. poll voting going ahead, and they'll be breaking records. Yep.
2: Yep, no Ooh. good futures ahead. And uh, it just reminded me, I think, watching it last night, how many non Brownlow things there are. I mean, um, I think it took about 40 minutes from the start of the coverage to actually get to round one. And of course, that 40 minutes is the red carpet and all of the ancillary things that go with the Brownlow. But I think one of the good things was that by the time they got to about round 15 or 16, they didn't interrupt it as often yeah. and just kept yeah. the count moving and, on. Uh, yeah.
0: And that's a good question for Mitch. Do you think they should, maybe at a player association night, should they be having awards like goal of the year and mark of the year and all that, not on the Brownlow night? Because, you know, everyone talks about how the Brownlow night becomes too long. Should they have those on a separate night? Um, I quite liked
2: it. Uh, because I just thought breaking up, because a lot of people say, why do you watch the Brownlow? It's just that monotony of uh, the count being read out by the CEO. Uh, I think the mark of the year and goal of the year is a good uh, breakup. I think my concern was more of the non football things. Like, I mean, fashions, I'm not as interested in, but it, like that takes a lot away from the actual football. If you want to talk about the AFLW and uh, their efforts in the football, that'd be great. But I think talking about fashions sort of diminishes it. But I know different people
3: watch it for different reasons. Oh, yeah. Look, I I, I I agree with that, the, the fashion side of it, that you know, like the Jim Steins uh, Award and a few of those other uh, awards that were on last night. No, I think it just adds to it. It's a, it, uh, yeah. it's a good night.
1: Yeah, pretty special, those uh, sort of awards like the Jim Steins Award and those sort mm. of awards. Aren't they? They're very, very special because going after the way those guys used to play their football, they've become legends in, like, in their time, didn't
3: they? Yeah, and I, and I think we're right with saying that Unlike last year, I must admit I didn't take much notice last year because it was already a foregone conclusion. I think, like Neil, so but this year at least we knew it was it was going to be close, and uh, and I guess they, I I think they got it right. And only Wines, I think,
2: spoke quite well. He pulled out a, a prepared speech from his pocket enough. Here we go. We're going to be <laughs> reading off a piece of paper, but uh, had good eye contact with the audience and appeared to just still speak off the cuff and I think spoke very well uh, compared to some of the speakers. Like, I think Shy Bolton didn't quite know what to say when he won Mark of the Year, did he?
3: No, and, and sometimes we sort of think... Gee, if the winner of the Brownlow is not competing on Saturday in the grand final and a few alcoholic beverages, mm. what is going to happen? <laughs> but he, yes. was, he was good. He was good last night, Ollie Wines. Yep. Yeah. Um,
2: any other thoughts from Bucket or Mark before we move on to talking about the Adelaide Crows in North Melbourne?
1: I think just over the last decade or so, football has improved so much. They've changed the rules a little bit. Some rules we don't like, other rules we can agree with. But somewhere along the line, they've just got to get things right so that holds the interest of the general public. They're the ones that they've got to hold the interest in. It's all right to get the interest of the players there, but you must get the interest of the public there to build up those ratings and everything like that because we can't have other contents. On the, on the television, you know, ripping their votes away from sport. Mm, SAS always, Australia always, and such.
0: <laughs> <laughs> always spare a thought for the umpires as well. I think you know, they've always got a, the difficulty and I, I guess, you know, you've always got two teams, but there's uh, there's always I suppose, uh, you know, there's always talk about that because they're the ones that are they, they're giving the votes and you know, even if you look at someone like a Toby Green, um, he only got uh, I think it was uh, six votes, so so the, the point is that, you know, if you're not favourable to the umpires, perhaps that can have an influence on, on the outcome at the end of the day. Mm.
2: Um, all right, so let's move along. We might start by talking about uh, North Melbourne, because Bucket, you've crunched the numbers a bit on North Melbourne and who we like and who we perhaps don't like. But I suppose the question for a lot of North Melbourne people will be, is there hope for season 2022?
1: Yes, it's going to be very interesting with the North Melbourne Football Club because they, you know, the last two years, you know, they they're basically gone backwards in, in in the way they've performed on the, on the scoreboard and everything like that. And there's a, a, a real job in front of them, you know, for the coaching staff. And although they, they've dismissed a few a few off, you know, from the in, inside of the, of the club, and that it's going to be very very hard. But gee, with now when you look at the yeah, you know, the, when, when they finish seventeenth, there's the, 17th uh, like uh, last year and the finish 18th this year was, they only, only kicked uh, f- uh, 1,488 uh, points you know, uh, against. They kicked uh, t- 2,075 a percentage of, uh, of just over over 70. The forward line was their weakness all season. Their back line seemed to hold up and, and basically they only won 31 quarters for the season whereas it, compare that with Melbourne Melbourne won 55 quarters so there's a big difference there a lot of ground to be made up there. And basically, with, uh, yeah, with, with the co- coaching uh, David at Noble, after a bit of a rocky start, he sort of got them going and he won those three, three or four games, you know, and sort of took, took them along nicely. And gee whiz, you know, now they've lost uh, that uh, oh, you know, who's gone to the Tigers off, off the back line. I, I don't think their task is going to be any easier. But I think Melbourne, you know, North Melbourne will you know, be fine, hard to win more, more than four games, I think.
3: Mm. Yeah, well very quickly on that one, yeah, I agree there with uh with ter- going. Um and I, I think the main thing there will be still to try and um, and reduce that, uh, the losing margin. And as you say, Bucket, I guess, I guess your defence is, you know, most coaches like to have the back six settled, but uh, that's going to be a big loss, Tarrant. But, yeah, up forward. I think they just need the stability. Um, I think David Noble's probably the right man. He's a bit of a Chris Fagan's type. Um, so I yeah. think he's the right man with the right um, support staff around him. That, but, again, I, 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 I'm like you, Bucket. I can't see them really finishing any higher uh, due to the fact that I think down the track Collingwood and Adelaide will both improve also next year.
1: It's going to be very interesting to see how, you know North Goldstein getting older like he's been a great uh, servant of the North Melbourne Football Club for many, many years. Uh, and Noble is, it comes in at number 38 on the coaching uh, uh, list there over many, many years. But he, he's, he looks to have a different style of uh, coaching, I, I think. Mm.
0: And if, you, and if you look at the votes from the Brownlow last night, I mean, Ben Cunnington got 15 and he's had some, uh, I suppose, some health issues as well. And yeah. the next person was Taron Thomas. So, I mean, you know, they're pretty low in that sense in terms of vote getters other than uh, Cunnington in terms of the contributors there. But well, I think it's a team effort a lot at North Melbourne. I think, I think Noble's the right person in charge as to, you know, play that fatherly figure mm. type that, that Peter's talking about. But one thing that I think that needs, that can't be overlooked is the financial side of North Melbourne, because if we're going to go into Tasmania, where does that leave North Melbourne in the next five or six years? I mean, they need a supporter base, obviously outside of Melbourne. And I think in a lot of ways, yes, I mean, I think even someone like Craig Hutchison mentioned, you know, play um, had that experiment of playing a game in Tasmania each week next year, whether that means – whether that's North Melbourne or whether it's St Kilda or Hawthorne or, you know, alternate Mm. between Hobart and Launceston. But for the longevity of the club, if Tasmania gets a team in Tasmania, right, Mm. they get a team – what does that mean for North Melbourne in, say, five or six years' time? Yeah,
3: good point.
1: Uh, basically, for Tasmania, they get a good team going down there. They've they got to go back and they've got to recruit the, the younger types of players who's already going, going around in the, in the juniors in Tasmania now. And local players will bring the mums and dads and you know uncles and aunts and everything like that because you know like they need support because over, over the many, many years I've seen the North Melbourne uh, side, there's never been as highly supported sort of a side. There have been a good side to watch at different times. You know, been you know such a you know, great, great uh, like a crowd pleaser from time to time, and they've they've had some great moments, like in like, like in like their career. But gee whiz, you know, but they were with, with fourteen wooden spoons up up on the board. That's not a real good sign at all, is it? Mm. No,
0: it's not. And and I think in a lot of ways they've really had the, the two dominant eras in their history in the sense that the late seventies with you know Ron Barassi coming mm. to the club. And then yeah. when you come with Dennis Pagan in the late 90s, I mean, obviously, they, they still claim two premierships there. So I think, like, I don't to me, I don't know when they can relive those glory days. I think they'll be a hard-working team, and I think they'll get the best out of themselves. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with them in the draft as well. Um, yeah, certainly.
2: Moving along, just to touch on Adelaide, because uh, we've got some people that have researched Adelaide on this panel as well. I'm just wondering, yeah. how are they going, and what is their 2022 likely to look like?
1: Well, Freddie, you can start off with the Adelaide side because I think they've been uh, pretty disappointing this year, like uh, questions about the coaching style and everything like that. They had a little burst where they went along nicely. You know, they, they beat and, Geelong. And, uh, mm. and they beat Melbourne. Yeah. They beat
3: yeah. Melbourne over. Yeah. And,
1: and, so and the Saints.
3: <laughs> well, that doesn't give you a, a place in the grand final, though, does it? No. no, it doesn't. I mean, they did start off OK, but uh, obviously fell away uh, at the end there. They, they turned over 37-plus players, but they were the... Um, I think is um, conceding like they uh, they conceded nearly ninety points per game, so that was that was uh, another one of their, their downfalls there with their uh, defensive side. They didn't um, the thing that they didn't seem to have much control of the ball. That that was a problem with them. Um, they were down on the marking. I think they were ranked second or third last with number of marks in the uh, competition. As I say, conceded ninety points a game. Um, they got a few inside ball winners, but really like the class um, with by foot, I think, and um, and they've got a few other little issues. Um, so they've got plenty of room in their salary cap. Now, whether they go out and they try and trade a couple of players that late um, or um, turn over a couple of their draft picks and bring in some big name, I'm not too sure, but, look, I, I really just can't see them. I, I know they went local with all their draft picks last year with uh, uh, Luke Pedler and uh, there's Braden Cook James um, Rowe, I think. So... They'll probably be looking at that local talent there in South Australia um, at this, yeah. this draft, but, um, but yeah. No, look, at Pete,
0: I have a question mark. Sorry, yeah. I have a question mark on where their goals are going to come next year in the first yeah. six rounds. Taylor Walker kicked forty eight goals right. this year. Yep. That was a pretty good return considering oh, you know yeah. the trials and tribulations at the end and and where mm-hmm. they finished. Another thing I'd like to quickly look at with Adelaide as we move on is that. Port Adelaide and according to Koshi, they seem to be the you know, the premier team in Adelaide at the moment. If you look at even pre corona virus or pre COVID, mm. their average home and away crowd has actually been Dwindling from 2017 to 2019, I think you can't really get a real estimation on 2020 and 2021. But you know, their their, their average home crowds have actually come down by 3,000. Yeah. So yeah. you know,
3: um, yeah, they don't like losing. No. Yeah, they don't like losing over there, do they? And as you, you point out with Taylor Walker, there, Mark, is that he's not going to be available for what the first six rounds if he if he does actually play again. So, yeah, they, they've got a lot of holes to fill over there, but um, I guess they're just going to stick with, uh, with Matthew Nix and, uh, and the team. But, you know, you've got Lock, uh, Lachlan uh, Schoenberg. you got, um, he's a tagging midfielder. you got Lachlan Shoal, Tommy Doty, Jordan Butts. So there's a few good young players there, but it's, it is a very uh, young list. So, I could not see them getting any any better than, say, 12th. Um, but uh, certainly, I think they're a couple of years off oh. playing finals.
0: And, and remember, it was only four years ago that they finished on top of the table. Mm. At the home and away season in 2017, obviously, were runners up to Richmond. But yeah. that's when, I think after that, that's when the, it, or, it, when, it, when they started to fall. And they lost, yeah. they lost players like Jake Lever. Yep,
3: yeah. yep, Everything mm. fell apart, didn't it, though? And it was some brutal the assessments. Camp, the, um, camp. After after the
2: camp. The camp. Yes, the camp,
3: that early yeah, season. Yeah.
1: Isn't it? yeah. yeah.
2: Well look, we've got to fit in a break and I want to do that and then we'll come back and talk a bit about local uh, competitions that have unfortunately been cancelled due to COVID, so we'll be back after this. Just about there for the day, Wes Jay with you after the 11 o'clock news with 45 RPM, but uh, Mark, what do you think of the situation we find ourselves in with uh, local football and netball being cancelled?
0: I sent out a tweet yesterday, Mitchell, and I just said I hope to God they actually make a call on the season, and that call was made and obviously the Geelong and Geelong Football League and Ballerine Football League seasons have been cancelled, even the netball as well. So I think it was a common sense approach. We can't have this season dragging on and dragging on. And people know with his experiences in local football, you can't plan for the next season. And one thing that I would like to point out is that someone, a team like a dry sale, just misses out on finals. The coach is not going on next year, got a lot going on in his life. How can you plan for the next month? When that happens, where your season is hanging in the balance, you're in this in-between zone, mm. and I feel for those teams that were third and fourth, Ocean Grove and Baron Heads in the in the finals, and obviously even Torquay as well. I mean, that was an unlucky story. They won the whole, they hadn't lost a game this year, twelve and zip, and you know they, they didn't get a season out. But you know those. Those those decisions, training, not training, you
3: know, yeah. lockdown numbers. It's just, um, it was just. I, I felt for the coaches and players. Yeah, I, I agree. I tell you, what, talking to Drysdale very quickly. Billy Beardsell from St Albans has uh, signed up with Drysdale. He had a, a gun, ninety four goals in sixty five games. That's a that's a good um, coup there. Inverley, uh just quickly too on Invalid Now for a side that was also unbeaten throughout the season, they have re-signed their entire list from this year for next year, which is a, a big thing when, you, when you've got a side that's unbeaten. You, you'd think there might have been a few players who want to perhaps try themselves at a higher, um, at a higher level. So uh, it's interesting. And quickly, too, uh, just Sam Darley, an interesting appointment at, uh, as co-coach of Geelong Amateurs with uh, Daniel Holroyd. And I think we remember Sam Darley walked out on North Shore after one year of a two-year contract. Yep. He's been down the Riverina Club, Leeton Witten coaching, but uh, he's come back a, a more mature person. So interesting uh, appointment there.
2: Yeah, it certainly is. Look, we better go to the final word just out, but next week we will be looking at uh, the Brisbane Football Club, I believe, and also, of course, reviewing the grand final. I might just do a quick whip around the room if anyone has any tips to the Melbourne Bulldogs. And, of course, um, there'll be a bit of a a preview with Dennis on Friday, so you reserve the right to change your your tip throughout the week. But at this stage, I personally would be going for the Demons, but uh, the Bulldogs, I think, will be a formidable opponent.
1: Bucket? I think you're a very good judge of what you
2: see on the field, Mitch. Oh, thank you very much. So uh, I'm taking it you're for the Demons as well. Uh, Mark? Yep.
1: yep, yep.
0: Defence defense can win premierships. I think Melbourne will win. Remember to check out the Stonehenge View this week. We've got two great podcasts coming up. So Lockdown Listening, uh, Footy Talk, AFL Grand Final Umpire, and also we've also got a, a journo on as well. So uh, looking forward to a great grand final, and hopefully it's a lot better than the prelim finals.
3: And I think, look, have gone going for Melbourne as well. I think they've been the best side throughout the season. But I'm just warming a little bit as the days come get closer to the Bulldogs, plus having had that grand final experience and winning a premiership in 2016. But Melbourne in a close one.
1: Yes. All right, final word, Bucket? Yes, all involved in the grand final. Just get it right.
2: Yeah, please. And uh, the entertainment, let's hope they get that right as well. Mark?
0: Mackay is the sporting capital of Australia at the minute. Mentioned a few things there. They've had the NRL finals on, Melbourne Storm v Premier this week, and also home tomorrow of the women's cricket, uh, Australia v India. I think they missed a trick. They could have played that yesterday, but Mackay is the sporting capital of Australia at the minute in Queensland.
3: And better. And uh, what Mark touched on before, Mitchell, too, is that to all the clubs, uh, they did their best this year, and uh, I'm sure we'll be all looking forward to 2022.
2: And enjoy the shortened week. Have a great Grand Final Friday, (laughs) everyone. Thank you very much and talk to you next week. We'll be uh, reviewing the Grand Final and also talking about Brisbane. Uh, So we'll be talking about a team towards the top of the ladder this time for something a bit different.
0: The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11.